0: <laughs> I just, you never know. Sometimes th- really cool stuff happens right at the beginning and you're like, oh man, I wish I'd been recording. This is going to be fun. I, I, I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> this is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Passed out at the
1: bus stop, bearded man did lay. No one got too close to check if he was okay. He had a tattoo of Simplify, and God bless the USA.
0: If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you've probably picked up on our penchant for touting underground artists willing to take us straight to the deep end of the pool with their music. Regardless of the genre or the era, we are especially excited about the idea that there is music waiting to be discovered or remembered that can remind us what it means to really be human, that can draw us into the story of others, and that can open us up to something bigger than the ruts in which we often live. Hello, I'm John J. Thompson, and we listen deep and wide here on the True Tunes podcast. And on this episode, I am thrilled to sit down with Michael McDermott, an artist who has been giving us a lot to listen to over 30 years, bravely exposing us to the personal darkness and the rays of light that have beckoned him home. If you've been with us since the beginning of this podcast, you heard me sit down with him for a few minutes at our 30 year class reunion, right as we were kicking this whole True Tunes revival thing off a few years ago. If you go back all the way to our print magazine days in the early 90s, you may remember my interview with him in the pages of True Tunes News. But today we finally get the in depth conversation with Michael that we've been waiting for.
1: I saw Moses on the mountain.
0: With a brand new collection of songs to play for you and the long-awaited re-release of his first three albums providing a bit of a historical anchor, we cover a lot of territory. <laughs> And I'll warn you right now, it's a harrowing tale, not for the faint of heart. It's a story of struggle, addiction, and ultimately redemption. And a little heads up, we're not going to worry about editing the language. You'll also pick up pretty quickly that this is really more of a conversation between friends than a question and answer interview, so you'll just need to hang on for the ride. But as Michael has often been fond of saying, faith will be rewarded.
1: What if today were my last? happy with the way that I lived Would I be proud I stood up to the wicked Would be sad with what I couldn't give Would I take what I learned out of loving And repair all the prayers of the past Cause you never really know
0: A bit later in the show, we'll fire up the jukebox to take a listen to Peter Himmelman, another singer-songwriter who broke through in 1991, the same year McDermott released his debut. Although he had been developing for several years beforehand, Himmelman first came onto our radar with the release of his stunning album From Strength to Strength. He followed it with a string of amazing albums and is still active today.
2: This is my offering. You don't dance or sing. It ain't no diamond ring. You can't bite at the five and die. It's beyond logic, money, or time. It's not a place of fame.
0: This is my offering. We've got a feast of gritty folk rock that has aged quite well on tap for you today. Whether you're a longtime fan of the genre, or maybe you weren't even alive back in 1991, but you're hungry for some real life music that defies easy categorization and transcends today's playlist silos, this episode is for you. It all takes off right after we take care of a
3: little bit of housekeeping.
4: Hey, This is Mark Feldbush, and I'm a supporter of the True Tunes podcast. I've been reading True Tunes since it was a print journal and first on the interwebs in the late 90s. When the podcast became a reality, well, I knew I wanted to be a part of this ongoing conversation. I'm glad to say that folks like me and many others support the podcast with monthly donations of $5, $10, even $20 that help to cover the costs of producing and hosting the show. As a thanks for our support, we get early access to episodes and high-quality lossless WAV files of each episode that we get to download. We also have occasional Zoom meetups, some special live streams, discounts on TrueTunes swag, and a whole lot more. You can join me and the other patrons by visiting patreon.com/truetunes, or you can find the link on the show notes page. If an ongoing patronage thing isn't quite right for you, But you'd like to give a tip to help with the costs associated with this show? You can find links for that at the show notes page. Thanks for listening.
3: Hey, this is Ray, and I'm a Patreon backer of the True Tunes podcast. I also follow and listen to the weekly Spotify gallery stage mixtape that John curates for us every week. And boy, is it eye-opening. Every week, usually on Wednesdays, the mix is updated around 40 songs from brand new releases to deep cuts, and from across a wide range of genres including rock, Americana, indie, gospel, blues, sacred music, soul, and more. I've discovered tons of new songs and artists, and have been reminded of things I love from long ago. It's also great to hear a mix that blends up great music that is just good, beautiful, and true. You can find the mix on the front page at truetunes.com or on the show notes page for this episode. And if you follow it, it will live there in your Spotify browser and update automatically every week. And don't miss the massive archive list where all the previous lists get saved. It now features over 5,000 songs. And as great as Spotify is for music discovery, Please support the artists you love once you discover them. Thanks.
0: Michael McDermott burst onto the neo-folk scene of the early 90s with a debut album named for the address of his downtown Chicago apartment building, 620 West Surf. After playing That City's Coffee House and Pub Scene as a team, McDermott was discovered and signed by Brian Koppelman to Giant Records.
1: I was intrigued by your spirit, and your eyes would show no pain. You were screaming, but I couldn't hear it, and your movements would not explain why you condemn me. A senseless right Fear is a wall I must climb And I've seen some heroes in my day I've seen the failures in yours And i try to connect us in some way But we were on two different shores Though your love is worth millions of treasures
0: McDermott's debut single, A Wall I Must Climb, made it to number 34 on Billboard's mainstream rock chart. But if you lived in Chicago, it felt like a much bigger hit than that. What that upbeat and inspiring hit didn't capture though, was Michael's dark side. Tales of murder, desperation, and desolation were anchored in a vivid sense of place, usually pre-gentrified Chicago byways, and tethered to reflections of the human condition. Favorable comparisons to Nebraska-era Springsteen and other Windy City Troubadours, like John Prine and Steve Goodman, poured in, and the dreaded question was oft raised, might McDermott be the next Dylan?
1: Waterfalls crash and collide like love, a tenor flies like a peaceful dove, and the broken freedom bell will not ring. Disillusion shatters the windows of your charade You were walking proud and tall, laughing at the loser's parade But it was you who didn't know what to do When you found yourself on Fool's Avenue
0: McDermott recorded a follow-up album for Giant in Seattle, but that album was shelved in favor of Gethsemane, released by SBK Records, an imprint of EMI, which brought much more of a modern rock flair to the proceedings. Everything about the album was more vivid, from the spiritual imagery and iconography to the impressionistic renderings of both the ruthless streets of the city and the human heart. I'm
1: losing faith in every-
0: McDermott got one more at-bat with the Majors with his self-titled album for EMI in 1996. Produced by the legendary Joe Hardy in Memphis, who had massive success with artists like ZZ Top and Georgia Satellites, as well as winning critical acclaim for his work with Big Star, The Replacements, and others. They certainly swung for the fences with this self-titled record. The songs were well chosen, the sound was perfect, and they even got one of McDermott's most famous fans, author Stephen King, to play some guitar on it and write the liner notes. Critics loved it, his fans loved it, but it wasn't alternative enough for that format or pop enough for that format. And with that, McDermott's days at the major labels ended. His personal slide into substance abuse, however, really took off.
1: So before I lay me down to sleep Gonna say me a prayer tonight That maybe come tomorrow I Might find a little leak of light But still I'm here Voices I can't ignore That tell me there's a better life my door
0: What followed were more amazing albums full of songs that featured sketches of increasingly desperate characters on the fringes of society who all seemed disturbingly familiar. In the mid-2000s, McDermott spent some time in Nashville. He met and married a songwriter, singer, and violinist named Heather Horton in 2009, and the two started a band called The Westies with friend of this podcast, Ian Fitchuk, local guitar heroes, Will Kimbrough of the Red Dirt Boys and Joe Pazapia, and producer and instrumental genius, Lex Price. And got last
1: week. I <laughs> it
0: Since re-establishing himself in Chicago, McDermott has released a string of albums that have been getting stronger and stronger. He got clean and sober in January of 2014 and has maintained that recovery since. His albums, Willow Springs, Out From Under, and last year's What in the World, have documented his recovery road.
1: Sam was he said, Babe, what's on your mind? She said you could have done better. Yeah, but I don't really mind. Yes, is that Springsteen or Dylan that you're quoting from? And why is it every time I turn around, it looks like.
0: McDermott just released his latest full-length album, and it may be the strongest of his long and impressive career. St. Paul's Boulevard is a generous, rich, and dynamic collection of 15 songs that cover all of the topics and tones we have come to love from him. We'll hear all about it from the man himself, so let's step into the virtual True Tunes interview suite with Chicago's own Michael McDermott. It's only
1: one life to live. You can take what you for the grace of God, go I? I can't believe it's true that I'm here talking to you. But I don't know how I made it out alive. Yeah, I don't know how I made it out alive. Yeah, I don't know. Made
0: it out Thank you, Michael McDermott, for joining us on the True Tunes podcast, and uh, it's good to have you here.
5: It's great to be with you,
0: and and thanks for uh, joining us for a few minutes when we when we were just kicking this thing off a couple of years ago in Aurora. In that was,
5: Aurora, right?
0: Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that uh, was
5: great you know the true tunes the the idea is needed now more than ever you know i think it's a it's an important voice that i think is uh i don't think it's any mistake that it came back you know it kind of feels <laughs> like it uh it versions itself up from the underground again
0: you know this time around it was it, there's no business to it like it's all it's doing is costing us money you know and yeah. but it's it's a passion we just crossed 100,000 downloads well that's uh, great a couple days ago so it's interesting also because our stories kind of track when we started True Tunes the first time was right around the time you were getting started as yeah. an artist. Tell me about your your early years growing up in Chicago and, and uh, when music kind of first came to you and all the stuff that happened before I got to know you.
5: Yeah, well, it's, uh, I'm in the house that I grew up in right now. This really? Yeah. My dad died in 2016 and my mom went before him, but, uh, they left me the house, which was completely underwater and, uh, I was able to get the house back.
0: and that's the one that's down there in the South side, like yeah, the Calumet park. city area, or Orland park yeah, yeah. park.
5: yeah, And, uh, so yeah, so I'm back in the house I grew up in. now that can take a toll on a man. you know because when we got it back it was you know i don't there's a lot of ghosts in here and i didn't know if i wanted to be reminded of those every day so we we gutted it and that took a long time and a lot of money and uh but yeah so i'm back here so it feels you know it's a strange thing and uh to be to you know because this was never part of the dream you know (laughs) and then after i travel the world i'll come back and live and die in the house i was born in Tell me I'll never know
1: what it's like to be free But nobody wishes they were you more than me I was a cat by the evening and its enchanting spell I was too corrupt for heaven and too holy for hell I was just an exile dreamer who was so far from home i was just a lonely dreamer who was dreaming all alone
0: what was it like growing up there in in Orland Park in the 70s and 80s
5: yeah it's a suburbia small town monochromatic uh like east germany without uh the oppression uh you know. <laughs> at
0: least at least if you
5: were white <laughs> right right, right, right. <laughs> right and uh so yeah so it was very dull you know and it was yeah. a great it was a, it was the impetus for me to want to see beyond lagrange road and uh right right and that was uh so yeah i think there are you know things good things can be born out of this kind of level of boredom
0: and uh, do you think that some of your uh consistent referencing of things about chicago like i think if we do a drinking game which we won't do because we know that that's not healthy but every time you mention the word diversity you know um yes as a character name as a street you know uh um, which is a do you think that some of that is because those of us who grew up kind of in the outskirts of the chicago area romanticized the city and so now we kind of personify it as a character in our lives
5: Yes, absolutely. It's like the template that exists in my head, and uh, my dad. You know, and I, you may or may not know this, but he parked cars at Clark and Diversity as a kid, and he would, oh, wow. yeah, at a place called Isbell's, not Jason Isbell's, but um, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah. So he parked cars there, and gangsters would have him hide guns, and uh, so yeah, they called him Johnny Diversity. So that was kind of like a mythical thing too for me. You know, my dad was Johnny Diversity. You know, like what, a, you know, like larger than life thing. You know, and. Uh, <laughs> So yes, but yes, it is totally romanticized, totally fictionalized. I, I'd still, and that's why I think a lot of this new record is about being how you can get stuck in a place in your head that you can't seem to get out of. And that's kind of how I feel about a lot of things, you know? It gets tough to not look back sometimes, you know? Right. and there's voices always calling you, calling your name and you look back and then you end up going back that way.
1: Let's see down at the Clark Street
0: remember uh as a kid there when music first kind of captivated you and you said boy I mean everybody listened to WLS everybody listened to the WXRT we all uh, were consumers of music in the Chicago area but when did you say and what was it that made you say wait I gotta actually make this stuff like this is me
5: it was I was um I would go there was a band that Rehearsed nearby that I'd go watch, and I just thought it was cool. And I was, they were older, they were in high school and smoke weed, and I was like, you know, the kid in the corner and uh, scared of them all. And, uh, but it was, you know, I saw the Rolling Stones in 1982 one or two, uh, the Tattoo You, no, right. or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I saw them, and that was kind of like then the light bulb went on, you know, like, because, uh, you know, I was going to be an NBA star before that. Uh, so I <laughs> <it> went. <laughs> I went for very just very lofty ideas early on, right, so, right. Uh, not even thinking about the genetics and whether I could actually be tall enough to play in the NBA, which I couldn't. Uh, okay. But uh, so yeah, so then it was that I was seeing the Rolling Stones, you know, which is a uh, was the light bulb moment for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there'd been, always been music on, you know, Irish music or Nat King Cole or whatever, you know, growing up and uh, in the car, and but it was it was. It was a secondary thing until then, and then I thought, you know, it just—it was just—it was, just, was mysterious and exciting.
1: It's quarter to three. There's no one in the place except you and me. So set them up, Joe. I got a little story you ought to know We're drinking, my friend Right to the end of a brief episode On for the road.
0: was the irish music and irish heritage was that a big part of your family identity you know the the celtic roots and all that
5: it seemed like it cuz that was like my parents excuse for everything you know like if you didn't do well in school well you're irish you know <laughs> <laughs> if you're drunk well you're irish you know. <laughs> if you, know, you do well on a writing well you're irish everything was just everything
0: good or bad
3: <laughs> so, <laughs>
5: So yeah in that way you know, <laughs> That's fantastic crosses and the trip to Ireland but yeah it uh, so yeah it was definitely instilled early on
0: did it ever take on any kind of more significant meaning like the the great heritage of Celtic art and the the poets and the yeah. authors and the songwriters Van Morrison whatever like did, right. did that ever kind of bolster it you later. or
5: not not as a kid not right. not at all um, but you know it's funny I was uh, some you know, and my dad knew he was very, uh, he was deeply ensconced in uh, our genealogy. Oh. I, you know, we never saw him in the house because he was always in his office working on the genealogy and he had it going back to like 980. Oh my and, gosh. Um, so, and he, you know, he was a bit of a storyteller too, but he, um, you know, he had said we were, you know, <laughs> From the kings of Ireland, and he had at some point said, next time you go over there, you got to go to this castle because it's ours. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go knock on the, goom, goom, goom. Get out. It's yeah. ours. Um, but the funny, the thing about being Irish was is that, you know, so he, he had it all going back, and uh, it was all very uh, oddly Irish. But I took that uh, ancestry DNA thing, and, you know, just to double check, you know, fact check his story you know but as i waited and then i got the update saying you know it's going to be a delay due to high volume and all that but i remember at some point i had a panic attack because i thought what if it was all wrong Mm -hmm. like my dad got it all wrong or it just you know and i thought about what if i was russian or Mm -hmm. or Turkish or whatever you know and i thought I would be so disoriented in life if I didn't, if I wasn't Irish, if somehow like, or you find out you're adopted or whatever. Right. And uh, Yeah. And uh, so, you know, what if I, you know, and it's funny and it's, it was scary to me. I got actually anxious when I got the results, I thought, Oh no. And I get, I was panicky and I looked at it. It was 93% from Ireland, you know, which is, and then, you know, 5% Scottish and right. Iberian Peninsula or whatever. right. But it was funny, it, it, it was disturbing to me that how much weight I gave that. And it's, you know, well, because it yeah. finds us, you know, and it, and, mm-hmm. it, it sh- and, and it should and it shouldn't. You know, right. like, who are we? Are we from where we came from? Is that all we are? Is, are we just a bunch of <laughs> molecules? I hope not. We're just, int- I kind of had
0: the opposite thing because the my biological father was where the irish heritage came from and he was a a nightmare he was a criminal he was an alcoholic Um, he abused my mom he was a a terrible he he just brought fear into my life and so he was a great storyteller he was really charismatic he was really funny he was a storefront preacher at one point he was a complete fraud he was he was just full of it and and so that whole thing wrapped up into some ethnicity it was definitely something I was afraid of and it was it was not until I was probably in my early 20s and it was music that helped me connect with the more sacred honorable traditions of the Celts there's this rich heritage in Irish art I just thought I I found ways to to get more connected to that and then in a strange way start to feel better about that aspect of myself and realize you know i kind of do have those aspects in me like i i don't because, know that that's unique i think we all probably every sure. culture has that stuff right know?
5: do you because i do think like there's this and i have a, a song a new song that i it's just it's it's called i am not my father but it, it's oh. essentially in the song it, it unveils that we all are you know <laughs> you know wow. you know why do i talk like i am then i'm not my father i'm not him But I swore I'd never be like him. But yet, I sound like him sometimes. And why do I do those? You know, those defaults are programmed, I guess.
1: April 25th, 1924. The late child.
0: your parents i remember watching you play once with your dad yeah uh, at a club uh, somewhere in, in the city and uh he was really proud of you he he seemed to be now i know sometimes you know the way parents act about their kids to others is different than how they act to <laughs> to their kids but were was your family always pretty supportive of your music and your yeah pursuit? they
5: they that's, um so nice it's so nice to hear you say that um but they were they were and i i think i I think on some level, I like, can, I don't know why this is, but I think I was, you know, it's that, it's a cliche or it's a common thing that was said. It was growing up. I wish I had a better dad and then now he's gone. I wish I was a better son. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of where I, I live because I'll remember things that, you know, I had this narrative and I think I, and I think I'm not sure it was real, right. you know, and, um, so they were supportive and i forget that and i and i heard i'm working in we'll get to that later because you're responsible for the reason i wrote a memoir uh but i was talking the guy helping me put it together worked in a record store on the south side and said his no his friend did And his friend would say oh my god michael mcdermott's dad drives me crazy because he comes in every week and he takes all his cds and moves them to the front of the store but like (laughs) pretends like he's record shopping like he'll be like and uh, and i I thought that was a great story but yes yeah they were support you know it was they they didn't love the idea of like i want to be a musician like wait you're not going to go to college no you know and they didn't like that at all and uh so i think they had given me some kind of deadline that um but it, things happened fairly quickly so I was lucky in that regard but yes they were supportive very supportive after that and then when things went south when i didn't have a record company and uh, you know money was drying up and i had very few options then they were su- su- really supportive uh you know cuz they could have said well now it's time to get a real job but they didn't they let mm-hmm. me kind of you know grind it out you know, which was and 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 let me let me Fail, really.
0: remember if it was your father who told me this and then I checked it with you or if you told it to me and I chatted with your dad about it but the idea that at some point you had considered going into the priesthood stuck out to me as being really interesting and I do remember talking to you about it in the past and I remember talking with your dad a little bit about it when when did that happen and what was that, that what was that spirituality angle like and and that thread through your family how, did,
5: how yeah. did that come about well i always love talking to you john about these kinds of things um because you you're so open about it and you're not rigid i thought of you even knowing i was going to talk to you today um, sad guru or something said like in in eastern philosophy there's no one kind of God, they they call themselves like seekers, whether it's believers. If you're a believer, you believe in this one thing, whether it's your father, or your mother, or your priest, or your God, or whatever. But they just believe in the truth. The truth is the ultimate. You know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you are both, and I find that very interesting because <laughs> you're still a seeker, I think, and you're not yes. just so just like, yep, I got it. Oh, I got it all sorted <laughs> in my head. Good. Don't need any more information. So. Um, for me, I think it was I knew I felt like the need and it could be arrogance or narcissism or I wanted to do something kind of on a grand scale and and when I was just an altar boy I would see how these priests were able to affect things and and the there was power in that to me and going to assisted living homes to give out communion and it was just all very fascinating to me i think you know uh the ritual of it i think it was very compelling to me and the incense and the you know the candles and so there was a lot of it so when i didn't know what to do with my life graduating high school i was going to church every morning just those quick little morning masses i loved and um but yeah i thought this could be a, this could be an avenue you know to 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 affect to change things you know So I knew. I I think it was the sermons, and there was this guy, Father Patrick Brennan, who I love, and wrote 28 books or whatever. He, I was a boy. He was like a rock star to me, and uh, and what he could do with the written word was incredible, and uh, so he he was um, uh, amazing to me. So yeah. So but then the music thing kind of kind of organically just kind of one thing led to another kind of thing, and then that was quickly forgotten.
1: It's eleven fifty eight. my mind I need someone to understand take the wings I have and give them flight stretched out in front of me I see such pain and misery and helplessness the of your shame, where well, they hang like a chain across your chest. God help us, for we know not what we do or say.
0: You are integrating pretty carefully thought out Theological, spiritual references into your music from the very beginning. It, yeah. it wasn't this separated thing. This idea of the otherworldly, the eternal, right. was kind of woven in from the very, very beginning.
5: Yeah, honestly, I didn't even know I was doing it until like my first record came out and people started saying, like, you know, asking me about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't. It was just my language. It was the the language, like right. the, the symbols and the imagery I had in my head as a kid. You know, there wasn't a I mean, my mom was kind of very devout, and uh, my dad wouldn't go to church, but read the Bible every morning. <laughs> he was first one up reading the Bible. But Dad, you come to church? Nope. And uh, so that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, so it was just—I think it was in—it was my vernacular. It was all just kind of seeped in somehow. And then you know, in high school, I was hanging out with the priests that gave me Patty Smith albums and uh, Anne Sexton books, and you know, it was cool. Like it was—it was all very connected it, there was no difference to me it was all just seeking you know yeah
0: i remember having a youth pastor who i made some smart ass comment about bruce springsteen and like being a being an old hat because i i was into cool you know right alternative rock and he's he made me listen to a live springsteen album until i could identify what was happening spiritually There was a call to worship, there was a moment of communion, there was uh, sermon stories, there were scriptural references in the readings almost, but he let me discover it. But yeah, I think having guides like that that were able to show us how to find those threads in everything as opposed to saying oh no 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 no! church stuff goes over here and rock and roll stuff goes over here
5: and do you think in a way that now it's you know with the advent of the jumbo church it's like too ubiquitous or something there feels it feels like it's become so pedestrian and maybe it's where it should live i don't know
0: i don't Uh, i I a good friend of mine has said that rock and roll should always it's about tension and really that's kind of i think a folk music tradition in general but rock and roll blues based music should stay in that tension i think that the megachurch era of using the accoutrement of rock and roll to do stuff that is devoid of tension it is all about cleanliness and perfection and stuff then it's really lost it's so it's really not it's just got the sound it's got the drums and it's got the electric guitars but it's really no longer in that tradition it's something else
5: but do you think they use that as a tool as just a marketing tool to kind of but why does it have to be so homogenized and and, because i think
0: that's what people want (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, i do i think that i and i've been having this conversation more and more lately people are very quick to blame the industry and i'm like man i've I get it. I mean, I I worked at the biggest company in the music industry for 10 years, and frankly, most of the people there would love to put out nothing but amazing music. The fact is, people like bad music. Right. Most people like stuff that sucks. I mean, that's and that's not just limited to Christian music. That's just across. Most people like yeah. movies that suck. They like music that sucks. They like <laughs> paintings that suck, because most people aren't looking for stuff that's going to challenge them. That's going to be really interesting and thought provoking yeah. and difficult. They're looking for decoration. They just want yeah. something that's kind of like.
5: And it's like to use that word. You use tension. They don't. Yeah. They have enough tension in their lives. They don't exactly.
0: Right. So something. if they don't want it, if they just want some, you know, something decorative. Right. I, I don't feel a whole lot of animosity towards, the, towards them in yeah. that moment but I right. do think that it's good to offer up there will come a time in their life when they will be looking for something that that resonates with the with that tension because we all will hit it we're going to go back and listen to this stuff we're going to watch the films that, that make us feel like we're not alone that make us feel like that this this path you know there's others on this path with right. us so.
1: time is abused with these hotel blues Walking I walk in with The revelation of the ruse Looking for the comfort of understanding Looking for some peace in my heart Seeking you he shall find Asking ye shall receive Direction in the dark night's faith To speak what you believe Strength to stay right together When you're too
0: which brings us back to to your music and before we get to the new stuff which I can't wait to talk about but your first three albums finally got released you know, mm-hmm. a, a couple months ago after all these years of being uh, unavailable 30 years ago the debut and then uh, the Gethsemane record and then the self-titled record how does it feel to you to go back and listen to those records and you've brought some of those songs back into some of your mm-hmm. sets and what's it like to
5: go back and it's it was amazing it was emotional even you know um it's just great to have those back uh, li- Listening to them, it's uh, I feel it It was vaguely familiar, you know. Uh, <laughs> I know that like, guy, oh, yeah, yeah. I, it's like somebody telling you the story, like they told you a long time ago. Remember, oh, yeah, and you kind of bullshit that you don't really remember, but you go, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, we went to that, mm hmm, now I remember. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like that. Uh, but it was great and it was very emotional that they were just kind of back because you know I gave everything to those things and and you, they were just gone. It was like they never right. existed. So having them back was like a real rebirth in a way. and um, you know I, I see uh, I see that kid and I see what he was trying to do and it's you know and I kind of want to pat him on the head and say, well, what you should have done was uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so all in all it's been great. It's been a real it was a real gift to have those things back is
0: it difficult at all when you, when you look back on your, your story and you, you talk so much, even in your actual songs about the, the pitfalls, the mistakes, the, the woundedness, the uh, addiction, all the things that have kind of waylaid you. And a lot of that was taking root during that time. Does, yeah. does music ever connect you to a particular point in time in your story and make you go, Oh, wow, that's when this happened. And,
5: you yeah. Know, oh, all of it, you know, cause then, you know, on the online shows, I, redo those records and those were heavy man like yeah. you know after those you know we'd sign off and i'd go Fuck. you know like you know like that was just like nauseating and then writing the memoir too and and i'll just jump into that real quick because you you we saw each other at that city winery in nashville and you had mm-hmm. talked about like this is like dude you should have a book like you yeah. know and you had said that and even a lyric book but, but that started the idea and uh, writing that was really just the most awful thing I've ever done in my life, was having to write that book. I've never mm-hmm. written a book. It wasn't great at sentence structure, when to do a paragraph, when to use a colon, or the <laughs> dot with the comma. I was very confused by all of that. Um, but writing, getting that, and having her live through that again, man, that was no fun. And I couldn't wait for it to be over. And, I, you know, Heather's like, you know, because she could, it was palpable. Like it was changing, reliving that all. And it was, um, glad it's over you know um, it's
0: is it but, done and out
5: yeah it's done it's not out it'll be okay. out in September, i think
0: september okay
5: uh it's, yeah and then you know i had some good friends and you know helping edit and you know like what to get like you know uh stephen king's son owen and tj english um, helped and, you know just to go like well i don't think you need the part about the basketball you know okay <laughs> <laughs> basketball uh so it was that was very helpful it made it yeah
0: level. oh yeah so, yeah. Yeah. So, I've both uh, been helped by editors and I have helped edit things. And I know. Yeah, I know. I'm sure. Like yeah, producing think, a record, it's really invaluable.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So those, uh, those albums. Yeah. So reliving those is like going through the scrapbook of, you know, your incarceration. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, moonshine Johnny. Um, so, uh, Johnny Darkstar. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, but it's uh, music is it's like that. It's like a coat hanger, you know. It's just like you, you know exactly where you were and remember the smell of that bar or the street when it rained, and all those things just come right back. I know
1: a place in Mississippi called Helena. I think it's Tupelo, or was it Jackson, or maybe Biloxi? Yeah, I don't know. All I remember is the feeling that I wouldn't make it out of there alive because sometimes you need the darkness
0: in order to ever see the light. I know that at least part of the recovery process is to do that fearless moral inventory to think through those things. Um, is, and I know that also there's that line, you kind of mentioned it a little bit ago that the danger of the voices behind you that are kind of like tempting you to go backwards. How do you manage the, the balance between learning from the past so that you don't make the same mistakes again? And you take that wisdom, that hard one wisdom.
5: My new Uh, system to do that is like is meditation you know that uh, I do it every morning it's you know transcendental meditation and uh, it's just you know focusing on what I can't control I can't control that that's gone it's over it's hard you know I've learned if I haven't learned by now the lesson will be lost forever so it's that's what I do and it's and meditation to me now is like prayer but it's a prayer where I don't ask it's a prayer where I listen and that's all I do. I sit and listen in silence, and 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 sometimes it's just silence. Sometimes there's the monkey brain, all the chatter in your head, talking to you, telling you you're no good. Just and it's like and so what they do in TM is is like it's like a conveyor belt at a grocery store where you put your groceries on and they slide it up. That's all your thoughts are. You just put them there and you watch them go, and they go off and they fall off the cliff and then you know then there's silence again and then oh here's another one. Put it down, let it go, and it's just that kind of kind of constant process of just and then it slides away, you know like don't don't look at it just let it go and so that's what it is because I have a, I have such a um, default to, to go back and to beat myself and rake myself over the coals about what I should have shouldn't done and what I did and said and, you know and there were so many years I woke up every morning going who do I got to send flowers to you know because mm-hmm. the night before you know and uh, and that's that it was learned, you know, it was, uh, those structures, and uh, so now it's a it's a prayer of silence, and it's just and and I don't get caught up in things like I used to. Man, you know, I used to get such anxiety about things, and now it's just really. I, it, Heather thinks I'm. I she's like, don't you care? Which you, you know, and it's you know the school shooting. You know, it's just horrible. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't. You know, and I will act when I can. I, I I have no control over that. It's just horrible. But I I try to. You know, I will vote when the time is right and I'll do it and I'll sign whatever petition or I will go protest. Have you
0: found that 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 is giving your art some focus? Because then that is one thing you can do is you can speak on those things more clearly because you don't have the monkey brain going on.
5: Yeah, I mean, I went into the gutter to write about the gutter, but I in retrospect, it was quite a messy point of view I had I, I think I can speak about it more clearly and from having this perspective now. Uh, I was so immersed that sometimes you can't see the nose you know in front of you and uh, um, and that's what you know I mean my whole life was kind of constantly you know having things looking past the person in front of you and uh, so yeah so now it's just I, I hope and it's, it's still it's you know you have days where everything's just a totally upside down but um, but now I just started every day with 20 minutes of meditation. And, uh, and, and and if it only helps me 2%, I'll take that 2%. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
5: People, does it really work? How do you know it really works? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But it, I think it does. And if I think it does, then it probably does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's kind of it's that back to that idea of the difference between faith and certainty like people right. say doubt is the enemy of faith i'm like heck no man D- doubt is is a partner of faith like, arm in arm. certainty is the enemy of doubt because as soon right. as you're like i figured it out i've done it's you know right. that, it's like there's no reason to have faith anymore
1: so. right. Right. yeah you're looking like a car wreck dealing with the stack dead peter's robbing paul and the drinking with you socialist you ain't going anywhere think it's time we take a good look in the mirror what in the world is
0: here? the last several albums have just been getting better and better you know each time you go back to the well there's this it feels like a lens that's just focusing a little Ooh, tighter and a little you. tighter and a little tighter um what in the world completely felt like it belonged, in some levels, it's better than any any of those first three records, any of the major label stuff, um, the Sonics and all that, but then the scope of what you're talking about on that record uh, was both so personal and so vulnerable and even comical, you know, when you're talking about your failures and stuff, but then also so generous and gracious with yourself and your, and your past. So um, before we get to the new record, uh, now that that record's been out for a couple of years, are there any songs that stand out? Anything about that, that chapter in your story that uh, we don't want to get lost in the COVID uh,
5: (laughs) chapter here? Yeah, it's, well, a lot of the, record was um, you know, as it was kind of happening. Before the pandemic, my my niece and my nephew, uh my brother's kids, uh both committed suicide within three days of one another. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. And uh and it was incomprehensible really. And Aaron was the oldest and she and I had similar paths and at this very house when we were i was cleaning the garage one morning and i knew she was still using and drinking and uh she came over one day and i was cleaning out the garage i was in no mood and and i i saw the car pull up the garage door was open and i looked out and i saw it was her and with some guy and i thought the fuck, it's 10 in the morning like really you know and i could just tell the way that she was walking up the driveway i'm like you're drunk at 10 in the morning nice and uh, so she came in. And I didn't have any time for her, so Heather came out and ran interference because I think she knew it was up. And so they, um, as she was leaving, I was disgusted, and um, and I, I believe I, mean, I don't say that flippantly. I say it because uh, what I follow it up with, you know, will haunt me all my days. But so I was getting a box, and she, and I turned to take it out to the garbage, and. Um, as I turned, she, I kind of bumped into her and she said, I know you don't love me. And, uh, and, uh, and sorry. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, I, oh, sorry, John. I said, uh, I said, oh, Aaron, please, you know, I just pushed past her and it was the last time I saw her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, awful. So, um, uh, you know, though that's a great regret. And the funny thing is, is I was drunk all the time at ten in the morning. Hmm. So suddenly I'm, I'm just above that, huh? Right. You know, like oh, I'm that guy now. And uh, so, um, yeah. And she called me, you know, uh, and I didn't answer. To, you know, she was always drunk. It was always, you know. Anyway, uh, so yes, yeah, so. I wrote this song no matter what kind of for Ryan, her brother who he killed himself first. And then Aaron killed herself two days later. He was a, you know, PTSD soldier, um, you know, saw a lot of action in Iraq, a lot of, a lot of kills. And, uh, so he killed himself and then Aaron did a few days later. So I wrote this song, I think the veils of Veronica were for her too. And, um, and then, uh, no matter what is, um, just, it's got that refrain, you know, don't give up no matter what. And mm-hmm. I just, it was, um, I just, we, cause they were both drunk. Had they not been drunk, well, they'd still be here. Right. You know, and it's just like, it just takes and takes and it's taken so much. Um, you know, it's just, it's hard to see, you know, and, and you just get sick of it. Like the news story today, you just get sick of it. And, yeah. uh, so yeah, that record is it's um it's a beast. It's you know, there's a lot in there. and uh, you know, and, and originally, I called what in the world subterranean Trump sick blues, uh, <laughs> which is but, funny,
0: but I'm glad you uh, and i I loved that, but yeah by not doing that, I think it became more universal like right. it it was yeah. less specifically barbed at one side and it became more right. you know like this problem is not really political right. it's human you know
5: right and and i still do that song because like just because that you know he's not in office you know i joked uh-huh. that if he doesn't win re-election i'll stop doing the song but things are still the same you know right. there's nothing very little has changed you know
0: and it's and it's more a symptom of a problem than the cause
5: yeah. of the
3: problem so right.
0: yeah. and i appreciate you saying that stuff and being so vulnerable with that i was an alien
1: snorting and shooting and t- oblivion Watching it like a movie someone else was in I just couldn't see the shape that I was in I was still drinking then Yeah, then something changed Right through the darkness came a bright Hard life living on your knees Even when you feel you're cursed Things can always get a
0: little worse We're going to step away from my conversation with Michael McDermott and fire up the True Tunes jukebox to take a listen to another spiritually informed, gritty, transcendent singer-songwriter who knew how to rock Minnesota's Peter Himmelman Right after
6: this Hello My name's Rob, and I'm one of the Patreon backers of the True Tunes podcast. I'm honored to invite you to join me in support of True Tunes by signing up on their email list. I know email is often annoying, but by being on the list, I get notified when new episodes drop and when new articles get posted at truetunes.com. Sometimes, John even sends out short notes and gives away records and swag and stuff. Super cool. But really, the point is that by staying directly connected, I know that they don't have to pay Facebook or anyone else in order for me to hear from them, and that's important. They don't send out too many emails either, and I'm always happy to get them. So really, it would be helpful if you'd join me over here. You can find the sign-up link on the front page at truetunes.com. Oh, And don't forget to add John's email address, jjt at truetunes.com, to your contacts so that the emails don't get caught in your spam filter. And if you have any feedback on the show or questions, you can email him and he'll get back to you eventually. Thanks for listening.
0: same upper midwest culture that produced a young Bob Dylan and while his first musical pursuits were more in line with the new wave and alternative rock styles of the early 80s than anything anyone would associate with Mr. Zimmerman, by the late 80s having broken away from his original band Sussman Lawrence and having released a couple of well-received solo albums, Himmelman found his groove as a folk based singer-songwriter who knew how to rock and wasn't afraid to lean into his faith when the tape rolled. After moving from Island Records to Sony, it was an unlikely song celebrating the strength of a disabled woman that became his breakthrough hit. I was
2: speaking to you in my voice, you were speaking to me by choosing letters with your eyebrow. You didn't have no choice, and yet you had an attitude like that's just the way that it goes now. I started talking to you About the fish swimming in your aquarium But all the while I wanted to take away your pain Susan, I owe you an apology Susan, I owe you an apology For all the days I just let slide Rainbow,
0: men. Himmelman's meditation on the strength and humor of this amazing woman and his willingness to confess his own complacency was shocking at the dawn of the grunge era. As a single, the song provided a telling and accurate glimpse into Himmelman's profoundly empowering and ennobling view of holy humanism. The album, From Strength to Strength, provides a cavalcade of prayers, meditations, confessions, and commissions. Though it was relentlessly grounded in human frailty, its unabashed hope exploded through.
2: You pay too much attention to the moral squall that gave Power at your expense You treat that system Like some kind of God Well it would never run To your defense
0: Hammermann followed up from strength to strength with a gut punch of a record in 1992. Flown This Acid World was definitely darker, with references to Holocaust survivors, racism, and myriad shades of doubt and anxiety.
2: To the loneliness can drive you crazy
0: 1994's skin took a conceptual look at rebirth renewal and growth by exploring a Jewish reincarnation myth for signs of relevance It's a gritty, at times almost psychedelic version of folk rock that wears its impressionist spirituality on its sleeve. It's also a sonic wonderland, a Prague folk masterpiece, and one of Himmelman's most obscure releases. One surprise that awaited me the first time I saw Himmelman perform was how downright hilarious he is in concert. He delivers absurdist commentary between his emotionally, spiritually, and intellectually intense songs with a droll lilt. I once saw him impersonate his hometown hero Prince for a whole song completely straight-faced. Once, when my wife Michelle and I were privileged enough to be asked to sing some backing vocals for him at a club in Chicago... I saw him ask the bar manager for an empty Jack Daniels bottle, which he proceeded to fill with tea. He carried it onto the stage, opened it, and guzzled the entire bottle before settling in for the set. The crowd roared.
2: What type of song do you want to hear? A song about hate, love, whatever. It's up to you. Don't name titles. Just name the emotion that you like to hear depicted. What? Steak? Want to hear a song about steak? I got plenty of those. What? What type? Is this a grilled steak or a fried? What? Huh? Is that agreed? Everyone wants to hear a song about a steak? A, a beautiful song, a poignant song about a steak. Okay, let's try that one, because I think... Uh, this is part of the lyrics, okay, guys?
3: Let's see.
1: Something's
2: grilling, somebody is... Very child Some want it well done Some of them just rather let it run wild This is a song about steak Maybe the only one you will ever hear This is a song about steak The child of a cow And a steer That was, that did work well. Thank you. That was
0: good. His shows were a disorienting and intoxicating blend of humor, insanity, caricatures, and songs that made you want to cry and smile at the same time.
2: When the victims shall stand and the oppressors shall fall When hunger and fear are unknown to us all When men are divided by Black or by white, I will love you with the love of midnight yeah. We will stand at the pit between darkness and light Where the truth is made so plain to see We will witness the enemies and opposites unite As our captive spirits run free When the bearers of injustice are making amends When the ghosts of all sinners will finally be cleansed Women throw down our guns, refusing to fight I will love you with the love of midnight
0: Peter, an observant Jew, honored the Sabbath. He refused to perform or do other work on Saturdays. That must have put a dent into his touring business. He observed kosher dietary laws, was eager to talk about the different prayers that he knew, and was proud of both his cultural heritage and his spirituality. He never came off as preachy, just passionate.
2: Sacrificial till you feel sacrificial Like you can't keep the bultures at bay Sacrificial till you feel sacrificial Like you're giving yourself away Like you're giving yourself away Up on the altar Attached to your desire Like a lamb to the slaughter Like Abraham's firstborn Better to bear your burden in silence Than to bear it all with scorn
0: in the late 90s, he began releasing what would eventually become a series of imaginative and funny children's albums which, unlike most of his other recorded work, fully integrated his silly side with his serious musical and lyrical acumen.
2: I got a new computer I got a good pea shooter I got a slide trombone and a cellular phone but I'm bored I got a parrot named Stan I got a book about Japan I got a little blue car And a red guitar But I'm bored Well I'm bored With everything I'm bored With this song That I sing. Well there's nothing To do I'm in need of something new I'm bored Man, I'm bored, I'm bored,
4: man,
0: I'm bored.
4: Yes, you think you're bored, but the truth of the matter is you, you, you're looking for a
0: teen. He has continued to release new independent music sporadically, including a phenomenal project in 2019 called Press On. I ain't the type to stand in judgment. I'm too afraid of judgment day.
2: It's better just to keep my thoughts to myself Than to throw my opinions away All through my dreams I feel your hands upon my chest And oh, I'm dreaming It seems like I can never rest
0: Lord, it's
2: strange Yes, it's strange
0: Every day feels Along the way, he also became a successful composer of scores and songs for television and film, including a long stint as the main musical voice of the Fox TV series, Bones. <laughs> the scenes, he started a leadership company called Big Muse, through which he's worked with major brands like The Gap, Banana Republic, and even McDonald's, helping them improve their internal communication, leadership styles, innovation, and general cultures through, you guessed it, songwriting. Why am I not surprised? Himmelman, who has actually been using songwriting for therapeutic purposes as far back as the early 80s, has long appreciated the deeper power in the sound, and he uses it well.
2: I'm filled to burst in with faith in you Since I woke to this world new Gonna sing your praises all across this land Since I woke up a brand new man Woke up this morning like a new man I got myself a brand new pair of ears you can hear the rhythm of time low and low and the slow passing of the years. The slow passing of the years.
0: Peter Himmelman remains, in my opinion, one of the most excellent examples of modern American folk rock. His name and songs are etched in my mind right next to artists like our guest today, Michael McDermott, as well as Mark Hurd, Bob Dylan, Jackson Brown, and the newer practitioners of this style, Dawes, Jason Isbell, and Brandy Carlisle.
2: I'm built to burst in with faith in you, since I awoke to this world anew. Gonna sing your praises all across this lane. since I woke up. Woke up this morning like a new man I got myself a new desire Well, I'm just about to bust out of my skin, Lord, Lord And this day's so hot, it's on fire This day's so hot, it's on fire
0: All right, let's let the old jukebox cool off a little bit. We'll take a quick break and then be right back with the conclusion of my conversation with Michael McDermott.
6: Hey, I'm Rob from San Diego, California, and I'm a Patreon backer of the True Tunes podcast. I've also left a rating and a review of the show at Apple Podcasts. It really wasn't hard, and it didn't cost me anything this show means so much to me and I know that reviews and ratings make a big difference when it comes to how and if others discover these conversations. Would you take a few minutes, maybe even while you're listening, if you're not driving, of course, to leave a rating and a review? Even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, the reviews posted there push out to podcast platforms all around the world. Oh, and take some time to tell your friends about the show. Let's drive the numbers up together. Thanks.
0: Okay, we're back with Michael McDermott.
1: I got my bags all packed Got my ticket in my coat And the boarding in less than an hour But I ain't coming back That much I know I'll come find you in your ivory tower So many years come and gone Pistols and coffee at dawn Won't you please send back my regards To all the lost souls stranded down on St. Paul's Boulevard
0: The first thing I thought was St. Paul's Boulevard. Like, I mean, the guy's constantly name checking Chicago. Where's St. I'm figuring some side street like Surf. You know, it's like, and maybe there is a St. Paul's Boulevard somewhere, but this one. There really is.
5: I had to Google it too, and I don't think there is.
0: Okay, good, because this one is fictional, and you've created this street to hang all of these stories loosely, at least on. In the past, a lot of your songs would have these vivid pictures of fictional characters that were maybe thinly veiled pictures of yourself, you know, the, in the gutter. But but now you you seem to be able to engage pain in a way that is uh, finding the meaning in it. So tell me about about the well, yeah, process so, of this record.
5: Yeah, and it didn't, it wasn't, again, it was um, just kind of happened that uh, we these songs that i was writing kind of all seemed in my head like you know clark and diversity or st paul's boulevard really to me was like wicker park in from like 99 to like oh seven you know like in that period of where there was just a i was immersed there there were a bunch of artists around there was a lot of drugs a lot of mayhem a lot of people going the wrong way a lot of them you know you see girls get into prostitution you see uh people become Crooks, um, dealers, whatever—it was all just—and for whatever reason, all these characters kind of seemed to be. Though Saint Paul's Boulevard was nicer than it, my memories of Wicker Park at that time. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, it, so much of it was about uh, you know the—it was a kind of a modernized version of the Road to Damascus or something, you know that um, that you know you, you can get stuck there and i was stuck there for so long you know uh in that life and i just couldn't get out and it's easy to see when people say well you know when they talk about why people can't get themselves out of poverty because it's fucking hard man and like and, and when you get arrested and getting back into society and when you got a record all those things they just are designed to keep you down and right. it's impossible it's just it impossible to get out of the, those cycles in addiction and trauma and pain. And you do, if you, and there was this great thing. I got Gabor, mate is this great addiction specialist. He said, you know, if you just look at addiction differently, like why, you know, you don't ask, don't ask how long have you been addicted? What are you addicted to? It's just like you did, you were avoiding pain, you're avoiding loneliness, you were seeking control and that's everybody. You know, like you have no control over your life. You, you know, you can't get out of this ravine you're in. And you, and another thing, I was thinking, I would add to that is that the the criminal element is it? It's a group. You know, we all kind of want to belong to a, a team. And and a, you look across a bar and you know a guy's got drugs and there's a wink or there's a like you know it's a secret language and it's you know and that's what was kind of so attractive about that and when you have nothing going for you those things are very very uh romantic and very compelling so um but saint paul's boulevard is just like of of all the stories and it's a lot of regret in there and a lot of like uh my memories in this album uh of those times of of just the endless meandering and the endless idling of my life then and um you know and it's and it's looking back with the that time is so precious and the time we squander and piss away doing you know all the Mm -hmm. foolhardy things we do and and the the silly things we chase anyway it's just all that it it wrote itself really a lot of this album just kind of like it was just a lot of those things i you know had been in me for a long time and and uh a lot of the brokenness i was still it's kind of coming to terms with and how it all how it all went so wrong
1: and i'm sorry for the things i've done and that which i have not and for the things i can't forget and that which i forgot and i
0: It's interesting to me that that, saint, that you mentioned that road to Damascus, because Paul has to go from being a, a Pharisee who's brutalizing, terrorizing, right. murdering right. people for their religious beliefs, because right. they're a threat to his power, right? Right. In order for Paul to, to get off that path of destruction, he has to be knocked from his high horse, where we get right. that cliche, right. blinded by the light, right. thank you, Bruce Springsteen, and... Um, Um, and then humbled and sent to, to ask for help from people. And then this is the same guy who writes this incredible poem about, you know, the subversive power of self-sacrifice and, Mm -hmm. you know, and you bring your life now into this so that the dark shadows are playing with the light as opposed to taking over the light.
5: That's beautifully put. Yeah. It just, I, peace is you know, in, in the, the, Paul reference was you know it, it wasn't immediate for me it was a long unveiling you know and um, and it was that I found it was you know I kept waiting for it to be bestowed upon me but that's not where it, peace isn't bestowed it's found it's through work and service and that's where you, that's where it comes it doesn't, I kind of kept waiting like what you know like has, have you forgotten about me have you like waiting like some poor pitiful uh, peasant just waiting to be saved on some level, but no, man, you got to go out and find it. You got to, yeah. you know. I just, I think I had it upside down. I was, I was so entitled that I thought uh, peace would. And you know, man, when, it, you know, you wouldn't think about it, but in crack houses, there are a lot of great conversations. Yeah. And at some point, it always gets back to God. Mm-hmm. Always does. And mm-hmm. you know, there's that that cliche, you know. If, show me a man knocking on the door of a horror house I'll show you a man looking for God you know yeah. and, um, and and so it was all people just seeking you know back to that word we kind of know the theme of the show uh, the, the seeking of it and um, it was uh, I always said when people you know at some point they'd say you know what would you do if money was no object you know whatever you talk right. you're sitting around the table with people for four days on in a row so i mean you have talked about everything so at some point it's about what, what do you want if money was no object and i would always kind of one of the things i got into whether whoever was sitting around was like peace and that's what i always wanted i just wanted peace i wanted this the torment to stop and i meant that you know somebody would say like i want to buy an island in fiji or something
3: mm-hmm.
5: i think that's really ultimately what i wanted and uh and i and i found it you know just through through the, the work I, I just wasn't willing to put the work in and and people you find this in recovery people go is your life out of control yes you know do, do you uh do you want your life to change yes do you want to do the work well what do you mean what do you, what do you mean work like, that's where it stops <laughs> right you know, like i don't know about work You know, I was so entitled. I just want, you know, people, you know, want things to happen to them. But it is, it was just a lot of work. And it just took me a long time to realize that.
0: Yeah. I've listened to the album a, a number of times without sitting and looking at the names of every song, just trying to let the the project as a as an album hit me. Certain phrases, certain kind of ideas keep popping out stronger in the broken places and then wounded wounds are where the light gets in. Tell me about that, that dual idea of there that we're stronger in the broken places and the wound is where the, the light gets in and how important that was to you that you keep bringing it up throughout
5: this. Yeah, well, I, I think it's... To go back to what you're saying, to make sense of the paint, like to make to make it all that it wasn't all just a waste of time. and And the funny thing is also too, is that I never understood what people liked uh, or related to about my songs or whatever, like, oh, uh, you know, because you, when you're in that mode of the addiction mode or the the, I don't know what it is, the spiritually bankrupt mode, is that you think nobody can understand like no one understands my plight, man no you know when you're addicted no one does more drugs than me when you're drunk no one drinks more than me when you're in trauma and you're in pain nobody has pain like me but the, f- the fact is and what you learn in recovery is fuck, dude you just want everybody has the same you're thing. not that special you're not that special <laughs> right. and, and that's that was a great eye-opener for me like oh i get why they get the songs because we're all the same, and it's yeah. like just an E, you know. Like, and I would joke on stage, I'd say, Now, when I say crack house, think of your cubicle at work. Now, when I say, house, think about your you know, whatever, right, you know. Right, right? And um, so those things, those are the tenants of my existence, is, you know, we're stronger in the broken places because I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it, you know, I mean, cause this is, it's the journey. It's where it's, this is the, the reward is, is not the destination. It is the journey and man, it's been a hell of a one. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, when I look back at all those nights, just really, really desperate half finished suicide nights where I was wandering the streets, looking for Lakeshore Drive or getting pulled over with a eight ball of Coke under my front seat, you know, all, any of it. It was all, it all led me here.
0: I want to call out a few songs and get, okay. get some story behind a few of these songs. Um, and it was hard, 15 songs and there's not a it's dog a among them. Um, okay. So it was hard to narrow it down. Uh, but The Arsonist. Oh my gosh! Talk about a lament. I mean, this is yeah. this is beautiful. So tell me about uh, about this song and how it came to you and
5: the story. Yeah, I don't uh, that one. So yeah, just the arsonist is is you know about just all the things we do to sabotage ourselves. And I would go out at nights, you know, going like, and I would burn everybody, you know, I'd burn myself, I'd burn my family, burn my friends, you know, because I was just a um, uh, some kind of really gluttonous ravenous monster and really that's what was my driving it was the driver of anything and uh you know in the i was a dopamine addict you know mm-hmm. and uh so yeah the arsonist uh yeah i, I like that song a lot my mind
1: on me Resentless who we are I was an awesomeness burning
0: All that we have lost. Mm. This feels like a a slight turn into some new territory for you. I I like that you you're covering so much ground, contemplating the things that we've lost in a negative sense. But you seem to also be suggesting there's some things that we kind of need to let go.
5: Yeah, I. That song—it was tough for me. I didn't know what in the, even during the mixing. I said I, I told Stephen who was mixing. I said I think we just give up on that one because I just I don't think I could ever really figure it out. Uh, really, it was it was more of a feeling than it was an I an idea. It was just that that there was so like the the wanting to rip your chest open and just and to kind of like be okay with with all the all of the tragedy the the, the thing that. The schools, you know not to be cool with it but just like there's so much so much pain but at some point you just gotta accept that as a reality of of the world we live in and, and uh and you know but we're gonna be we just kind of gotta keep pressing on and um and you know control what you can control i mean yes that comes back to that
0: it hit me this idea that the innocence we've lost may have been a myth itself you know that yeah. when you when you talk about buddha and the the buddha's teaching and you talk about jesus on the cross just a really powerful juxtaposition of of ideas to say that this is not a new phenomenon that we're going through and yeah
5: and, uh, and so you know even during the the last presidency and all the chaos and you know and then i, I at some point there was a documentary on somewhere but it was about the 60s and man I mean, it made me feel better about like today. I mean, the '60s were insane. You know, the assassinations, the war. I mean, the rioting. I mean, it was uh, maybe it was just because it was a two-hour documentary, but it seemed like this. You know, like it's all. It'll always be like that. I mean, it's always going to be like this. And I'm not saying don't care or be apathetic. It's just like control what you can control. I, you know. You know, I just don't know, I think, you know, the the Carlin thing, they call it the American dream because you got to be asleep to believe it, you know, (laughs) Uh, uh, we're programmed constantly by our phones and our TVs and all that. When you go to Europe and when I'd go over there and be away from all kind of news sources or whatever, it was nice. My life was better. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I only, all that mattered was my family and my work and it was nice. It was a simple life, you know. And then you come back and you turn on the TV, and the TV's going in the background of the house, and you're wandering around, and you pick up the phone, and you get your notification from the New York Times, and you now it's just like. Oh. Now is
0: Sick of this town. Yeah. Which, tell me about this song, and, and this is a different feel for you musically and, uh, Lyrically, a little bit. So tell me yeah. this one.
5: Well, I think it's you know, I, it's about. It was, I think the genesis must have probably came from driving through town here because you know, I'm a, I assumed
0: you were talking about Nashville because I know you didn't have a great experience living here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but turns I mean, out we're all silly. sick of every town, aren't we?
5: It is every town because it's all the same. They're all great, and you know, like and Heather, you know, like does not like this town that we live. In. And she, you know, I said, "What you think?" There's no jokers in upstate New York. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, there's <laughs> jokers everywhere. You know, and in recovery. They say geography is not a happiness, isn't geographical, right. and you know, it's true. Like, I mean, there's always going to be the Trumpers in this place, and there's going to be the you know, so it's just it's every town's great, and every town sucks. Each year, it's more
1: and more less the same.
0: And then uh pack the car well, yeah yeah tell me about that one
5: well that yeah. was one i was gonna leave off too and i'm glad i didn't uh just um but yeah that's kind of a uh a pandemic inspired just like let's get out of here you know and uh you know i i'm i the duality of my life is that i am very uh a, a recluse really but my job has me in front of people and so when I'm home, I wanna be with them and when I'm up with them, I wanna be home and you know you Don't need it
1: back up. Babe I got everything you need these days is such a drag. Thinking something to believe.
0: And then peace, love, and brilliant colors. Yeah. It's like a benediction. You're, you're done. You can go off into the world now. And...
5: Yeah, so the funny, the, how that happened was during, you know, for the online shows, you know, I had people send in videos or questions or stories or whatever. So I got a video from a woman in Texas, Mary from Texas, and so she's, her video, you know, I'd get the stuff and then upload it in for the show, and, and her story was about meeting me in the 90s, and you know, I was pretty drunk, and I was leaving the gig or whatever. And she like tapped my shoulder as I went by, and she's like, Good to meet you, Michael. And in my inebriation, I you know, like stumbled by, and I looked back, and I was like, and said, Peace, love, and brilliant colors. And I walked up, or whatever, and I was like, Oh, get out of here! I did not say that. And it's the biggest jackass thing you can say, but I was like, It's awesome. And, uh, I was like, I going to write a song about it. So I did. So that's what
0: I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've
5: been drunken jackass like these though. Wrinkles. So that became her thing <laughs> because she would tell people. And I was like, I'm stealing it back. That's <laughs> great. I have heard it
1: said by somebody that was smarter. To thine own self, you must be true. Because the voices in your head. Feels there's nothing anyone can do You told me one night when I didn't have it in me I hate to see it happening to you You said every now and then We are bound to stumble And every now and then We are sure to Come me dreamers and lovers
0: You spent the pandemic dialing in a, a really high level online show from home. How did that weekly live stream thing and connecting with people that way impact you as a songwriter, as an artist, your relationship with your fans, all that stuff?
5: Yeah, it was amazing. And and it the it developed a community of people. Like, you know, there's always like your fans or whatever, but now it's like a community. It like exists without me, which is amazing. Mm. And uh and, and I leveled the playing field. It wasn't like, here I am weekly, and I'm going to sing to you. It was just like, you know, you know I'd give the mic to people so they could talk, and then they'd have their moment. And it was great. And people really felt connected. And then they put, were able to put faces with names. And then they are friends now. And romances have burgeoned and, and so it's been really, it's been amazing. And, and for me, just playing uh, songs as a writer, you realize, what works? I think you know, like oh, and that's why that song didn't work because yeah, you know, what was that all about? Like or you know, you see stuff in your work that you go, hmm, yeah, uh, I don't know why I did that, and that's why that song <laughs> was not that good. Uh, so that's been just helpful. It's it's, it's like a class of a workshop.
0: You know. Yeah. Do you think that the role of the troubadour, the songwriter in the community, is probably different than the role of the rock star in the community and that yeah. sometimes we have to disabuse ourselves of the rock star clothes and when we get back into that role of being the troubadour now you're sitting around a campfire with people and your job yeah. is to serve them it really felt like you were engaging those people as the chief servant i wonder if that has an impact on how you craft the songs then, yeah i don't know how,
5: yeah because you know it's a uh you know, it was all like, um, uh, letting people talk, giving them power, I think was really helpful. And, and, it, uh, um, and it, you know, I learned things about them and, and they had great insights and it was just really, it was like, almost like an extended AA meeting, you know, where mm-hmm. you just go, that's a good point. you like, you know, so, you, you know, usually it shows I'm not learning anything cause I'm up on a stage and playing music, but these were educational for me.
1: About the saints and the angels And how they were near And we'd pray for Father When His drinking got heavy And we had no money Our future was unclear Then Mother started working and we never even saw. And my sisters and my brothers. We grew to resent her. And everything fell apart. From the weight we were carrying. And it didn't occur. So many years later. Oh, father. In heaven? Do you even care Of what becomes of the father What becomes of the faithful What becomes of our unanswered prayers
0: So what's the future looking like as far as gigs yeah. and live streams and this record is out now. So what what does it look yeah, like? Yeah, I'd love know?
5: to do both, you know, both. I mean, obviously just serves my like uh, nature of just wanting to be close to home. If, if I could do that, um, I think that in I. there'll be some kind of hybrid version but it's definitely things are opening up more and and for them I noticed that see for me it's great because I could use videos and movie clips and all that and it's been fun it can make it more like a TV show but for people that we have been watching two years of online shows when they come to the show they go boy there's nothing like seeing you in person Where I'm like oh (laughs) it's you know I like I like being able to have uh, you know like clips from you know robert de niro on the mission and and yeah. their wonderful life and you know i could cue all these fun things older. <laughs> whatever you know that's fun but
0: last question so imagine you're speaking to a young artist who is essentially in a similar position that you were in when you were 1920 you yeah. know got some potential buzz got a cool song you know bag full of cool songs nothing but open highway in front of you yeah. uh knowing where the snares are knowing where the pitfalls are knowing the, that stuff any kind of words of wisdom
5: yeah that's a really amazing question i i would probably say i'm just going to shoot from the hip but i'd probably find a way to say it more tactfully but don't don't believe any of it you know <laughs> don't believe <laughs> when you're good don't believe when you're bad just, yeah, just do it, like, yeah, because now, and the things seem to change for, for me, like, with Willow Springs, like that record, it was the first record I didn't ask for outside help. Like, I didn't ask anybody what they thought. I'm going to stop asking. I'm just going to, you know, because my, my own belief, my own sense of resilience had atrophied so much from so many years of just self-abuse that I was helpless. And so it was time to take agency over what I do. Mm. 30 years into your career, it's about time you start making some decisions on your own.
0: (laughs) Better late than never.
5: never It's right at the ship. As soon as I just stopped listening, like I didn't, you know, like, because, man, the second guessing, I just would just trip all over my feet. My shoes were untied and I'd stumble everywhere just by trying to please everybody. You know, Mm. Uh, that's what I would say. It's just like, you got to be earnestly... Uh, dismissive of everyone else, be myopic. Yeah,
1: I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Yeah, I think it's all just talk, as no one walks or walk no more. Yeah, I bet even Jesus give us all what for. That I don't want to be. be a folk singer anymore I think I'll write me a big hit song and I'll be loved and adored I have handlers and groupies hell you know what that's for but I don't want to be a folk
0: Man, thank you for taking some time with us today,
5: been, John. Thank you, I love Yeah, you're you're brilliant, and uh, it's always you. Whenever we do interviews, it's always me walking away with more knowledge than you. I'm sure, so I appreciate.
0: <laughs> I don't it. know about that. That's funny, as I found a couple of cassettes of us doing interviews 30 years ago. I'm going to see if I can maybe. Yeah get some snippets of those for... A little at Harrington's context. or something? Yep. And one of them was at Harrington's. One was on the phone. But uh, wow. um, yeah, it's been a long time, but it, it's just great. Uh, it's great to see you were, walking were there, in your power, man.
5: glasses clinking in the background?
0: Well, I remember the one time we we did the interview when it was pretty quiet, but then yeah. you invited me to hang out and watch one of the Bulls playoffs games. <laughs> yeah. And so we moved over to the bar, but I had to drive all the way back out to Aurora after we were done. So I wasn't going to, I think I had one beer and then was drinking O'Doul's or something like that. But you and and then your friends all showed up and you were like the king of that bar. Like, and it was, it was crazy. And at one point I walked across the street and I bought two boxes of wings from the KFC and brought them over to the bar. And then I was the king of the bar for about about five minutes because I had wings. You guys had a rule where anytime, if I remember it right, anytime somebody dunked, everybody did shots oh, and everybody kept offering me shots and I kept trying to politely like I got no and then finally you stood up to these guys and you were like look he's drinking O'Doul's do you think he wants shots and it was like the weirdest kind of but it was you were like my <laughs> defender and uh, it was a fun oh, long yeah. weird night and, uh, wow. and I thought you know I think maybe maybe Michael drinks a little too much <laughs> At the end, we walked back out to the car afterwards and uh, oh, anyway That so, was
5: the that was those were the early days, man. Yeah. Those are the early days, too. Yeah, man.
0: I remember you telling me that too. But yeah, it's it's just great to see what you've uh what you've done with this record and the last several records. It's just fantastic. So I'm I'm really hoping that a, a much bigger audience starts yeah. to,
5: to find Good it. To Thank you, sir. Thank you, John. I love you, man. So here's to all
1: the lonely your time with
5: There's a part of heartache that is holy,
1: just remember
0: As I step up on my soapbox this time, I am mostly filled with appreciation for artists who are willing to dig deep, even into painful places. There's an undeniable power in brutal, brave, artful honesty. So much of the modern alternative and modern pop music I hear today is hyper-personal and yet reveals nothing about the inner thoughts, feelings, or fears of the artist. In fact, much of the most popular music today, even the hip stuff, doesn't dare to actually mean anything at all. Irony, disaffection, and vibe reign supreme with nothing deeper than a TikTok video taking center stage. And while I don't mean to suggest that modern pop music is no longer relevant, I happen to think it's actually quite cool, McDermott and Himmelman remind me of how normal it once was to bare your soul, warts and all, if it might bring some hope to your listeners. I'd love to hear a new generation of writers, instrumentalists, and singers be influenced by the neo-folk of the 90s in the same way those artists were influenced by their forebearers decades earlier. Sure, it's happening, just not nearly enough. Which brings me back to the mixed blessing and curse that both McDermott and Himmelman experienced when they were considered by some to be the quote, next Dylan. The same impossible burden was placed on Springsteen, Jackson Brown and so many others. But why? Why saddle any artist with being the next anything, let alone the fool's errand of being the next Dylan? There can never be another Dylan because there can never be another first, another innovator at that level. Dylan came along at exactly the right time, with exactly the right measure of artistry and commercial understanding, knowing how to create a persona and then blow it up. He understood pop music and irony, temporality and heritage, and he knew what his audience needed, often more than we may have. He determined to meet them at the radio and take them to deeper places. And while Brown, Springsteen, McDermott, Himmelman, Carlisle, Prine, and so many others have done the same thing, they'll never be the first, so it's not fair to compare them in that way. But I sure am glad this tradition is pushing forward. I need this music now more than ever. Okay, I'm climbing off my soapbox now. that's going to do it for this episode of the True Tunes podcast. Thanks again to Michael McDermott for his generosity of spirit and soul. Make sure to check out our show notes page for a complete list of all of the music on this episode and links to Michael's shop so you can pick up a copy of his latest album, St. Paul's Boulevard, and the rest of his catalog. And make sure to check out his live streams. They are fantastic. Thanks to Phil Keggy and Rex Paul for our theme song, thanks to all of our Patreon members for your support, and thanks for listening, telling your friends, rating and reviewing the show at Apple, and all the rest. Make sure to get on the email list if you haven't already. We've got some more cool giveaways coming up. As always, the podcast is produced by me, JJT, and Bruce A. Brown, who also handles the mixing and enjoys probably a little bit too much handing me back a script with lots of red ink on it, including the sentence I just read. The contents of the program are protected by U.S. copyright law and are the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions, with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten material. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions. This program is intended for the private use of our listening audience. Gyroscope Productions can be reached at JJT at TrueTunes.com or P.O. Box 60401, Nashville, Tennessee 37206. Until next time, this is JJT reminding you to keep it between the lines down there at the corner of Fool's Avenue and St. Paul's Boulevard. There is hope when the scales fall from your eyes. There is a community waiting to both feed you and be fed by you. Peace.
4: Reality, man, reality. I I could see the center of the earth. All the way down, the purple flame down there, the pilot light. What
3: do you think, Joe? Cardwheels? No sugar cubes. I'll make you book he's been dropping that acid we've been hearing about.